Are you looking for new books to read? Do you like finding a new special author? Are you tired of the same old books from the same old authors? Well then, welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths, a podcast where you can hear from fantastic new authors. Join Steven Schneider as he finds and talks to authors you may not know, but authors that have worked hard to write great new books. Hear about their book and why you should check it out. So sit back and listen to today's Discovered Wordsmith. Welcome to another episode of Discovered Wordsmiths. I apologize, no episode last week. Unavoidable, uh, but I'm back and we've got several exciting episodes right in a row coming for you and several really cool ones I'm working on getting. Uh, Today, uh, I am talking to Rob Hill. I ran into Rob at an event that we were both at. He was speaking. I thought he was fantastic. He had a lot of good things to say. And I asked him if he'd be on the podcast and he graciously said yes. And the man has information on finances and things to help people. And that's his goal in life. He has a great life story to tell. So this is a fun podcast to listen to as inspiration for people. Uh, if you think uh, your life is going down, it's it's not what it should be. Rob's an inspiration for that. And for authors, uh, Rob is also a speaker. So it's a side gig that many authors look at doing and Rob's talks a little bit about uh, what it's like to do that and why he does that. So it's a great one. Uh, I've also got uh, Tom Holbrook on here today talking about some great kids books. I love this one. The kids books he picked out were superb. Fantastic. Uh, I might get a couple of them and I don't have kids, so I may have to find some kids to read to. Uh, and then next week we've got Roland on talking about some author stuff. So go try and stagger them out a little bit. But I think these are two great additions to the podcast, and I hope everyone goes to check out not only Tom's store, but uh, look at Roland's uh, fitness books, his health, and listen to him. Uh, He works a lot with Selmore Book Show with Brian and Claire. Uh, So (laughs) Roland's a great one to talk to about what is coming up in the author world. So good episode here with Rob and Tom, and then uh, Roland will be on next week with some more great episodes. Uh, take it away, Tom. Well, here in New Hampshire, we set the uh, United States record for wind chill last wow. weekend because there's a mountain called Mount Washington, which is the biggest mountain on the East Coast, and uh, it hit negative 108, which uh, beat its previous record. So that was exciting. Wow. So that was some automated thing. Nobody was up there holding a thermometer. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, I don't know if there was anybody in the weather station or not, but they show pictures and it's just like a blob of ice. Wow. Uh, it's crazy. But I mean, it happens every year down here. It got down to, uh, like negative 30 wind chill, which is a lot for us. And then yesterday it was 48 degrees. So, wow. Yeah. We, we had, we had negative 30 at Christmas and mm-hmm. that's, you know, the worst this winter has been. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, uh, I am flickering. Why? Okay, there we go. Yeah, you look like Max Headroom there. I know it was great. Now you've just (laughs) now you've just aged both of us. Uh, (laughs) Just uh, but they're doing a remake, I hear. So you know that's an odd odd thing to do a remake. Absolutely, Um, especially in today's world. (laughs) uh, I uh, just get in a a big order of picture books from uh, Random House Penguin, so I thought I would show you some picture books. Nice. Uh, Random House Penguin now controls about 40% of the market, which is a little 
crazy. Um, but they've always been home to a lot of the best uh, picture books. So, uh, so now let me ask you this, Tom, your bookstore. Do you get a lot of parents coming in with kids and kids picking out books? And then do those kids continue to come back as they get older? I sadly am now old enough that I have people coming in, uh, you know, when they come back to visit for Christmas or whatever, because not many people grow up in Portsmouth and stay in Portsmouth because it costs too much. Um, but they'll come back for Christmas and like have kids. So that's weird. <laughs> I don't feel that. I don't feel that old, but we've been open 20 years. So I guess, you know, yeah, it makes sense that a 10 year old from 20 years ago would now have kids. Right. Uh, I would say our, our market is probably more grandparents uh, okay. and picture books are just a great gift or people buying for new mothers, um, that sort of thing. But right. if you have kids, you know, the library is the place to be because kids plow through books. You couldn't possibly buy enough books to keep up with them. So uh, especially when they hit, you know, early reader. Um, I remember reading book after book after book in the fairy princess series with my five, five to six year old and never been to the best part about her learning to read was that she took over reading that series herself. Cause we were on like book 55 oh, uh, and they're all this, you know, they're, they're, they're very formulaic, but, uh, but yeah, so kids, you know, to, to buy books for kids, I hate to say this as a bookstore owner, but to, to, to buy books as like their main, to buy them as their main source is crazy, uh, but, but they make phenomenal gifts. So, um, we, we do a lot of that. And here we go. These are all, some of these are actually one or two years old, but I just had come across them. And some of them came out in like the last, uh, couple months. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with, uh, Carson Ellis. And uh, if it looks like this title is messed up, that's because it's Du Istak. Uh, this entire book is a made-up language. Nice. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the whole point is that a kid can read and, fit and still understand what's going on. Um, the illustrations are awesome. It's a bunch of insects. Yeah, and nice. Illustrations remind me a bit of, of Charlie Harper or uh, that sort of very graphic, graphic design-y kind of uh kind of picture and um and she's a west coaster and uh, only does a book every few years uh but i always like the art and this one's just kind of funny because um uh, it's a full story but none of the words make any sense so you have to figure out what's going on on your own i would have loved that one when my kids were little that would have been one i picked up immediately the um Next is Scott Nash, who's a New England illustrator who I love. You'll see his illustrations in other people's books. Uh, and in fact, this one is by Jancy Dunn, uh, and he did, but I grabbed it because of Scott Nash. Uh, it's called I'm Afraid Your Teddy Bear is in the Principal's Office. Um, and it is a wild story about uh, one kid. The, it, it's narrated by the principal, uh, who is dressing down a kid because their teddy came to school and caused mayhem by inviting all the other teddies to school and they uh they made a mess of the lunchroom and they made a mess of the gym <laughs> and uh they just go through school wreaking havoc uh the art room really gets uh gets hit uh 
but then the principal remembers that they were a kid and had a teddy bear too. Um, and the, the final message is uh, one that you hear a lot from teachers, which is, you know, there, there are no naughty bears, only naughty behavior. So um, nice message at the end with right. a lot of total chaos, uh, total <laughs> chaos in the middle. So uh, next up, this is um, Beth Wolven. She's British, Beth Ann Wolven. It's called Bo the Brave. And uh, the real point of this book is that uh, don't take other people's word for who's a monster and, and who's not. So she is very brave. I love the illustrations. They're just like, yeah, really unusual and fun. Uh, she's very brave, but her older brothers won't let her go hunting monsters with them. So she goes out on her own and each monster she meets, she's like, hmm, they don't seem that bad. <laughs> and so she meets. You know, she meets the griffin, and oh, the nice. griffin's like, me, a monster? No, I, I don't mean you any harm. And uh, then she meets the kraken, uh, and, you know, they all become her friends. And at the end of the book, uh, she gets her brother, her brothers are all amazed that she knows all these monsters. So uh, nice. she sort of ends up in charge, uh, and she goes around helping other animals. But oh. wacky illustrations, and again... Uh, a little bit of an intro to mythology in there too. Yeah, the you know most picture books have some sort of message. <laughs> to right. them. Uh, I kind of like the ones that are totally wacky and the and the message is subtle, like that one, or uh, like this one, which uh, is called "Room for Everyone," and this author is uh, from. Um, she lives in the U.S., but uh, I think she is from Tanzania. Um, but anyway, this this is exactly what you would think it would be looking at the front, is that um, a kid and their grandmother gets on the bus, and the bus keeps stopping for people, and the kid's sort of annoyed and that there's not enough room, and the grandmother's like, no, there's always room for everybody. And so, you know, a kid with two goats gets on, and then... Uh, you know, people with huge baskets of, of fruit get on. Uh, but the, I mean, the illustration. Yeah. The person loves Did, chicken. They're just beautiful. So hey, everybody Tom, gets let, on. Hey, and then it turns sorry to let you know, every time you go off to the side, your your volume really drops. We lose your voice. So. Oh, just sorry. A, just a, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the bus, the bus's destination is the beach and they got all, I'll get off and have a party together. So pretty and, and straightforward. That's a message I think some adults need to read and get that because uh, there's a larger message in there. <laughs> well, yeah. And of course, the global implications that as Americans, we have a pretty big share of everything that we should probably allow other people to have a little bit, a little bit <laughs> of room. Imagine that, yeah. Uh, this, on the other hand, has a straight up, uh, straight up message. This is based on a true story. It's called More Than Peach, and it's about a little girl who spearheaded uh, in her school uh, different color crayons for skin color. Oh, beautiful. Right. And it's and it's, you know, she just gets tired of the other kids in class saying pass the skin colored crayon, meaning the, the peach colored crayon. Uh, but it's got these illustrations look like they were maybe done on computer. Yeah. Uh, but not overly so, you know, and a. Uh, 
the colors are nice and uh, nice, clear story. And, you know, Crayola then, did do that. They came out with a yeah. whole box of uh, skin color crayons. Yeah. So this is that story. Uh, and uh, my last one, um, again, <laughs> I, the goofier you can make it before you had where you had the message the best. This series has been around about 15 years. Scaredy Squirrel. But uh, and she hadn't had a new one in a while. This is Scaredy Squirrel Goes Camping. Scaredy Squirrel is afraid of everything. Um, and uh, these uh, these illustrations are uh, some of my favorites. They're just goofy and there's a lot going on. So, you know, <laughs> this is for like this is not for a two or three year old It's for like a five or six year old. And uh, there's always, you know, diagrams and charts. Nice, and, nice. and because Scaredy Squirrel always has a plan about how he's going to protect himself, whether it's camping or whether it's going to the park or whether it's going to school or whatever. He's always got a checklists and lots of equipment. You know, you can see he's got a super long twig so that he doesn't get burned making s'mores and everything always goes wrong. And he come and he always realizes that it's OK. So, you know, the whole. <laughs> The whole thing about Scaredy Squirrel is, one, you don't have to be scared of everything, and two, that good things are worth the trouble, right? Nice. Like, it, it may take all this extra preparation, but it's worth it to to get out there. But it is just good, uh, goofy fun. And uh, that's my that's my picture books for this week. Nice. Um, it's winter, not a lot going on here. I hope it's busy where you are. Um but we this is the sort of period where we do lots of uh book ordering and store cleaning and uh <laughs> we're in a tourist town and it's still busy on the weekends even when it's snowing people like to come up to portsmouth um we've got about 200 restaurants so wow people yeah which uh is enough restaurant seats for everybody in town to eat out at the same time so wow. <laughs> except for the people running the restaurants <laughs> Except for the people running the restaurants, but that gives you an idea of, you know, how much the expectation is that people come here to visit. Nice. Beautiful. Totally nuts. Well, good. Those are some awesome books. I love some of those. Again, if my kids were little, I'd probably grab a bunch of those because I'm like you. I like the unique and weird ones that they have. Yeah. And real, you know, what's nice about picture books, I think um, you can think of some other genres where the, the heavy hitters end up all having the same traits right? Or the same tropes, right. maybe. Uh, with picture books, like every one of those picture books had a different style of art right? to it. It wasn't like, you know, the computer style has taken over or everything has to be watercolor or, you know, it's um, as well as subject matter and such, but there's there's no real tropes in, in picture books that have been done to death. You never know what you're going to get when you pick one up. So right. they're a nice. lot of fun. Love that. And they're great. They're fun to recommend because they don't take long to read. So, uh, well, and know. that's good because a lot of times you end up reading them like 50, 60 times. <laughs> yes. But also for recommending for selling, I can, I can have pretty good coverage of the section. So when people say, have you read that? You know, have you read this? I can say yes, which is a lot different for some <laughs> of the other sections. So. Exactly. Right. Cool, man. I appreciate All that. Right. That's some great books. We'll put some links to those in your store again uh, in the show. And uh, hopefully people go check them out. Like you said, it's a good time to be reading, especially yeah. the kids. Thanks. Talk Catch to you later. You All right. Bye. Today on Discovered Wordsmiths, I want to welcome Rob Hill. Rob, how are you doing this morning? 
outstanding as you. I love that answer. And that's your answer when I asked you earlier. So I love that. Something people can learn from. Rob, I've met you, but nobody else on the podcast probably knows you. So before we get started talking about your book, let's talk a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, what you like to do outside of. It's okay. You know what? That, that I have no problem with that because most of the people I interview are new authors and a lot of them are like in their laundry room or in their bedroom with cats running around. And I love that honestly, because it shows, because too many other authors, I think get anxious. Oh, I'm not in a cabin in the woods writing full time. I'm not as successful. And what I've found after almost 150 interviews is just about everybody, even the biggest names I've interviewed aren't necessarily the Stephen Kings. We can't all be Stephen King. So when there's stuff going on, I actually love that because it makes all my listeners a little more comfortable. So no problems there. All right, go ahead. Tell us about you, where you live, what you like to do. Like I said, my name is Rob Hill, and I'm a financial advisor, author, and speaker. What I like to do is I like to see the light come on in people's eyes because there's so much. The level of deception is so deep these days. We got to get back to the truth of the matter right here. You look at the way things are going with our finances and all this kind of stuff. It's it's really challenging for a lot of people. A lot of people have no idea what retirement is. They just think that if I don't have to work no more and I'll still get paid. That's not what retirement is. But then I go into that a lot. The reason that I've written this book and a couple of other books was because reading develops the powers of concentration and creative thinking. Okay, it's something about those black words on that white page. It just rearranges everything. Okay, and I'm not talking about reading for entertainment. I'm talking about reading for improvement, personal development. Okay, I spent about 18 years of my life in the drug, drugs, and alcohol. Okay, I one day I woke up and realized that I was so much more than what I had become. And so I had to replace those habits with something else. And that something else just happened to be reading. Nice. Reading is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And I love that you say that because you probably have listened to Anthony Robbins or at least seen him around a bit. He's a pretty well-known, big motivational speaker. Some people like him, some people don't. But one of the big things he basically says is we either do things because we want pleasure or we want to avoid pain. And we usually don't do one or the other until it becomes so overwhelming, we have no choice. And it's so simple to make a change. You just decide to do it and do it. And that sounds stupid. And people always look for that golden panacea, the pill that, what do I got to do? that sounds too simple. I need to do something else. It's, it seems to be, if you decide this is what you want to do, this is your priority. That's what you work on. And it sounds like that's what you did and what it, what got you out of your situation. See, the decision is just one part. That's just one part. This it's very simple. However, it is so simple that it gets complicated. Yes, absolutely. The first thing you want to do is you decide that you are not where you want to be in your life. 
The second thing you got to do is you have got to control your tongue. <laughs> you have got to control your tongue because what you say is what you get. It's so true. What you say is what you get. So if you want something other than what you're living in right now, you got to start speaking what it is that you want. It, it's the old, you got to uh, put out into the universe what you want and it comes back, manifest. Most definitely. I wouldn't say the old put out what you want in the universe. I would call it new because a lot of people have no idea how much control their words have over their current situation. Okay. So we've talked, we've jumped into things. Give everybody, what is the title of your book and what it is about? And it'll make more sense what we're chatting about. One, one book that, that uh, I believe would make the most difference called ask the right questions, get the right answers for sound financial retirement planning. And this book goes into four areas of any solid financial plan. One being wills and trusts, long-term care, safe alternatives to the stock market, and final expense. Now, these four areas need to be visited by everybody, okay? So many of us are just barreling along and we don't realize that the road that we're on goes off of a cliff. But we're just rolling right along, we just keep on going right along, and we don't realize that it rolls off a cliff. See, a lot of people think that retirement is an age. Retirement is not an age. Retirement is a financial position, okay? The reason why they have 65, or it's going to be higher than that now, but anyway, 65 was the retirement age was because number when they input that, nobody was living to 65. Right. And so now, because of medical advances and all this kind of stuff, people are not living 18 months in retirement. They are living 18 years in retirement. Or more. So now we got, where, where's all this money coming from? You've stopped producing, so now you want to just get paid. This is why in 1978, a law was introduced by President Ford called ERISA. That's the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. I think that's a misnomer because what it should be called is the Employee-Er Retirement Income Security Act because what it basically did was it made all W-2 wage earners investors, but didn't tell them about it, okay? This is why we have what is known as a 401k, which was never meant to be a retirement vehicle. What the 401k did was it took the burden of retirement off of the employer and placed it squarely on the back of the employee, but didn't tell them about it, okay? This is where they come up with the, you can do this 401k thing, you can put your money here and here, but they're all their choices. You think you got choices, but they're all their choices. They said, well, you can pick this. And regardless of however the stock market does, the managers still get paid. What happened, you remember Enron, WorldCom, and all that. Right. Forget, we get to the cupboard and the cupboard is bare. <laughs> all right? Think about this. We live in a consumer-driven economy. Now, just on its face right there, it really doesn't say anything. But when you really think about it, when you dig down into it, a consumer-driven economy, 
What does that mean? That means that we have got to get these consumers to spend their money. So then you come up with advertising. All these different TVs, all these different advertisers on advertisements on television. Just getting you to separate from your money. You're like Walmart. Save money, live better. Really? No, you don't save no money. You just get more stuff. It's that old joke where the wife went out. I spent $3,000 because everything was on sale. So I saved money, right? (laughs) And you, it would surprise you how many people believe that. People that they will spend hours driving around looking for a deal. They got it cheaper over there across town and all that. When, what's your time worth? Yeah, that was my father. That was totally my father. You might you might as well buy it here and use that time to do something else as opposed to riding around. My, uh, my stepmother. <laughs> she goes out and just buys things just because it's on. <laughs> All right. My, I had ads too like that, man. They would just go to the store and just buy things that they never opened. They sitting there. Why'd you buy this? Or it was on sale. Right. Yep. Yep. I think that's the post-depression era thinking. It just, they don't know what to buy anymore. It's like the millionaires, billionaires that lose all their money because they had to buy a bathtub or something. So let me ask you this, Rob. Why did you decide to move into financial planning, financial advising, and write this book? Why choose that avenue? We have to back up to when 9-11 happened, okay? 9-11 was a transition period for me because that was when I was working for the government. I worked at a high energy physics laboratory and 9-11 happened and the bottom fell out, okay? So I had to find a new new avenue. And so I started working for Caterpillar and then I decided to go back to school to finish my degree, all right? was enrolled in school and I walked in there one day and my counselor, she said, Rob, you gotta meet my cousin. And I was like, why do I have to meet your cousin? She said, because he's got a job for you. And I told her, I don't want no job. Anyway, long story short, I met with him. He was a partner with New York Life. And that's how I got into the life insurance. Okay. After a short stint with New York Life and a few other organizations, I realized that I could help people better if I did this on my own without, because most of the insurance companies, I don't mean anything bad about this, but all they want is sales. That's it. They want, what did you sell? That That's it. Me, myself, I go in and educate people because a lot of people, the first thing they out of their mouth is they want to know how much does it cost? How much does it cost? And I say, that's a great question. However, that's the wrong first question, right? The first question should be, when does it start? And the second question is, when does it end? Because there are a lot of different types of insurance products out there, okay? And price is not always the best. It's not always the best indicator of having the best product. Okay? What, what I do with people is we sit down and we do a, a forensic audit, so to speak, okay? We find out what it is that you have and what it is that you think you have. Because nine times out of 10, when I sit down with people, what they have and what they think they have are two very different things. And so we first, we got to make sure that you everything is dressed right. Then there are 
other different products out there. There's there, there's so many ways that companies go about selling things. They want to mislead you this way and pull you over this way. And it sounds good over here and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we got to find out what the bottom line is. Okay. that That's what I do. And I'm not going to say that I'm the <clears throat> sales guru and all that. But when I do put something in place, it's solid. Okay. It's going to meet their expectations. Always. So how did you take this knowledge, this information and working with people and put it all into a book so people would understand and be able to get some benefit from it? People that live in Canada or over in California where you aren't, how did you go about that? The, the idea is simply this. It's not what you make, it's what you keep that counts. Okay. That, that, that's what it all boils down to. It's not what you make, it's what you keep that counts. Because our government, whether here or anywhere else, our government has an insatiable appetite. Okay? They just want more. And if you don't have everything nailed down, guess who's going to get it? Okay? You look at the, uh, you've heard the name Vanderbilt? Yeah. Commodore Vanderbilt. Commodore Vanderbilt, he had amassed something like $93 million back in the 1800s. By the time 1973 rolled around, there was not a millionaire in his family. Why is that? It's because of our government, our taxes. They just keep, you heard of death tax, estate tax, tax here, sales tax, income tax, all these different taxes. We've got so many taxes, we don't know whether we coming or going, okay? But the politicians that put these taxes in place, oh, they know how to avoid them. Tax evasion and tax avoidance are two very different things. <laughs> okay? Tax evasion is illegal. Tax avoidance is legal. So we want to avoid paying those taxes. And how do we do that? There are a lot of different tools out there. And just uh, briefly, wills and trusts. Okay? If you don't have a will, get one. If you don't have a trust, you need to look at it because if Let's just say you got this $300,000 house and you leave it to your son. You know what you just did? You thinking it's going to be a blessing, but actually it could turn out to be a curse because there are taxes that are going to come with it. And before he can get take possession of the house, he's got to pay the taxes first. So the idea is simply this. Why not move all your hard assets into a trust? Okay. The trust is a legal entity, okay? The trust does not have to pay taxes. But your heirs can still have access to that property that you leave. Now, there are many different types of trusts, and one that really rocked my boat was called the Dynasty Trust. It stays off taxes for up to 100 years. Think about that. It's a beautiful thing. Now, these we live by the golden rule. You know what that is, right? Yeah, do he who has so these people they want to keep more of what they want. They want to keep more of what they've earned, and they do that through the different financial vehicles that are out there, the wills and trusts, the, all these different kinds of things. Now, medical costs are skyrocketing. 
This is where that long-term care insurance comes into play. Nursing homes aren't no joke. You're going to be paying three, four, five thousand dollars a month to stay in a nursing right. home. Where is this money coming from? It's coming from all that money that you've been making. See, our system forces people into poverty before the government takes over. So you can't very well retire with a hundred thousand dollars in assets and expect the government to foot the bill. No, they're going to make you sell everything first, and you're gonna you're gonna be pretty much on welfare. That's what the government's done to you. So in order to stave off this kind of stuff, there's long-term care insurance. Okay, and the long-term care insurance you're going to pay a small premium over the years, and then in the event something catastrophic happens and you end up in a nursing home, then they're going to take over the payment. So it's better to get it sooner as opposed to later. Like all insurance favors your age and your health. Okay. The reason, another main driver for me writing this book and why I titled it Ask the Right Questions was because people ask the wrong questions. See, if you ask the wrong questions, you're not going to get the right answer. Okay. I don't care how many times or how many ways you ask it. If you ask the wrong questions, you are not going to get the right, right answer. Like and so Sorry, finish. Yeah. No, I was just saying that's why it's entitled that because it was out of anger because I would sit down with people and the first thing out of their mouth would say, my agent said this, my agent said that. My agent. And I said, wait a minute, hold up. The only thing that really matters is what's written in the contract. I don't care what the agent told you. It's all about what's written in this contract because all life and financial instruments, there are they are contracts. And if it's not in the contract, they are not obligated to it. So what you said about the questions, yeah. It, so if someone's really worried about cost, I can get long-term care insurance for 50 bucks. But if I go into a nursing home, it's only going to give me a hundred a month. Whereas I could get another one that's a hundred dollars and it's going to pay 5,000 a month. So that early cost is almost who cares? Cause it's, it gives you a lot better. That's what you got to look at. And that that's, it, and is that the, Right there, is that the type of example, what you want people to understand after reading your book, things to think about? Yes. See, the thing about that is when you're talking about health insurance, earlier is better. Okay. Get it while you're young. Because even with life insurance, the longer you wait, the more it's going to cost because all insurance favors your age and your health. Now, as far as what's going to meet your expectations down the road, well, then we would take into consideration some family history and things like that, okay? Because if you've got a, a person that's got heart disease in their family, okay, and they're 55 years old, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty, it's going to be a pretty big chunk to be setting aside, okay? So there, there are a lot of different things that need to be looked at when we're talking about this long-term caring. It's not a one-size-fits-all or anything like that. It's tailored to each individual. Okay. So the people that have gotten your book and read it, what type of feedback are you getting from that? Well, a lot of people, like, the first thing is I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that. They're really looking at the way that I, I go through a short history of how we got to where we are today with regards to 
retirement and our financial system and all this kind of stuff. A lot of people think about inflation. When they say inflation, think things are costing more, things are costing more, things are costing more. That is not what's happening, okay? What's really happening, what's really going on is that the value of your currency is falling. Your money is not as strong as it used to be. Since 1913, the U.S. dollar has lost 98% of its value. Wow. They're still printing at 40 going north. (laughs) There's nothing backing it. There's nothing backing it. And here we are. We've got 300 million people that are running around and have no clue. No clue what's going on. Okay. We got payments on everything. Why do you think we have rental centers and all this kind of stuff? Okay, payments on everything, just and it's ridiculous. See, it used to be when I was coming up that if you wanted something, you worked and you saved up the money to get it. The powers that be say, "Oh no, we can't have that. Give it to them now. Easy monthly payment plans and all this kind of stuff." And that's where we're at right now. You can finance anything these days. Yes, anything anything why because the borrower is servant to the lender yeah yeah i've seen that and i've warned my kids against that my my son's pretty good he mm-hmm. basically he has basically no bills no credit cards and pays cash for just about everything he can and he's doing good there so far <laughs> yeah that's a good thing now he's also got to learn how to pay himself too See, because a portion of all that you earn is yours to keep. Okay, the ninety-five percent of the people that I run into are living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, yeah. He's he's working on savings, and I'm working with him on the next things and looking at that. Hopefully, mm-hmm. we'll get some of that. A, a really good book to read: "The Millionaire Next Door." Okay. The Millionaire Next Door. I'll put that in the show notes, too, for everybody. Definitely. That is a great book. Okay. All right, Rob, I want to, besides just talking about your book, I want to talk about your career and your talking and stuff. But before we get move on to that phase, if somebody came up to you and said, hey, Rob, I heard you wrote a finance book. Why should I get that? What would you tell them? The elevator pitch. Okay. I would tell them that because... I would say, look, there's four areas that you that need to be addressed, and you need to look at these four areas, okay? And that's what I would say. This right here is just a guide. It's not going. It's not a how-to. It's more of a why-to. Why you need to look at these four areas, and that's where I would. Just a curiosity. Why do I need to look at these four areas? Well, read the book. Okay. Great. All right. Hi, if you enjoyed this episode of Discovered Wordsmiths, please support the author. Go to their website, go to Amazon, look them up, get the book. And if you click on the link that I have in the show notes, you'll also help support the podcast so I can keep the hosting and all the software I use and uh, keep it running for to help more authors. When I am recording this, we've got over 100 episodes, lots of authors. Go to the website, discoveredwordsmiths.com check it out. There's a lot of great authors, probably in some genre that you love. See what they have. Check out their books. That's what the point of the podcast is for. So people can discover new authors 
find some new books they love, support the authors so they can continue writing. So please support them. And if you do like the podcast, if you've been thinking of podcasting or you're a writer, I've got some links also at the website. Click on those if you're interested in any of the software or services that I talk about. Everything that I have there is something I use. So I've got an affiliate link. Again, it's a little bit, if everyone clicked on those, if they were going to get it anyway, it helps keep the podcast going. So let's all help each other out, discover more authors to read. Thank you for listening to Discovered Wordsmiths. Come back next week and listen to another author discuss the road they've traveled and maybe sometime in the near future, it might be you.